You know, this morning when you awoke, you were engaged in warfare. But you were not alone. When you gather together, we are already engaging in warfare. Do you know that when we sing, that is a part of our weaponry. Worship is warfare. And we'll talk more about that in weeks to come, how worship is a part of this. I've mentioned in the past that when I come up to preach, I have in my brain soundtrack music going because I know there's a war going on. Some of it's like Saving Private Ryan or Born Identity music. But more importantly in my thoughts as I come up here is this. I never want to be up here alone. And gratefully, I am not. The Lord is with me. I never want to preach just by myself. I want Him guiding me and leading me. If He wasn't, I'd just sit down and we'd just sing songs. As those children got together and prayed around the pole, it was so beautiful to hear. Many of our students were there at different places, from Barron to Cameron to Rice Lake. Students, you're not alone in your schools. The Lord is with you. And as we continue this passage, we're going to have reading of it. So if you could stand as we read, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. My daughter Kaylin is going to come up and read this section. If you don't have a Bible, it's in front of you. We have Bibles there. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to go 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Thank you. You may be seated. The passage summary that I've come up with as we've been working through this passage is based upon the three main verbs that drive this passage here. So our summary that we've been looking at is be made strong in the Lord by putting on virtues so you may stand your ground against the enemy. And as we've been working through this passage, I've kind of because my brain likes to think military format, we've been looking kind of structure this verse in different things. First, we looked at the authority. Our authority is unlike what we would have today. Let's say you go to the army recruiter and it says, you know, be all that you can be, which, which is great, but that's not how we approach it biblically. Our authority is not us, but it's God and His strength so it's be made strong in the power of the lord and his might so our authority is available to us because of christ it's at our disposal 
2 Thessalonians 3, 3 says this, The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. You're not alone. He is with you. He will strengthen you. He will protect you. We need to be reminded of that. Because this warfare that we're in is all around us. Again, the war has been won. The battles that we face, sometimes we win or lose those. But the Lord is with us. He is faithful. He will strengthen you against the evil one. We've also looked at our opponent, the devil and his schemes. And when I was a kid, I I thought the main focus was of this passage were the weapons and the enemy. But structurally, when I work through this, he's a grape compared to the mightiness of God. Although he's a grape, a toxic grape can do great destruction. Still, the enemy is dangerous and real. Do not mess around with evil. Please, don't. We have, and I've thought through, maybe we'll teach some of this later as we get to the shield of faith. Um, It's Halloween season around us, and decorations are there, and, and I know that certain movies portray scary things, and when I was a little kid, I would watch scary movies with my dad. He'd come back from the factory, and it was 11.30 at night, he'd have coffee breath, he'd lay down on the couch and I'd snuggle with him. But the movies we watched were King Kong and you know Godzilla, those were scary monster movies to us. But as we know, the, the movies that are out there today, many of them can be evil. Kids, stay away from evil. It's destructive. There's elements of what we have in our festive events coming up for Halloween, I think are, are exciting. Candy in itself is not evil. I like candy. My kids like it more. But there are things a part of this celebration that are evil. Stay away from evil people. The enemy is dangerous. He's deceptive. Again, we'll talk more about that as we go to the shield of faith and the enemies and his arrows. We looked at our authority. We looked at our opponent. And then we looked at our objective. And this is what drives the whole passage here. Our objective isn't to win the war. Christ already did that. Our objective is to stand firm. Stand strong. That's what we are called to do in this passage. Again, as your spiritual coach, I want to encourage you, don't give up the faith. Keep your eyes on Christ. Stand firm. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. Be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. Be strengthened with all power. It's not your power, it's His power. According to His glorious might. So that you may have great endurance and patience. Don't give up. Keep doing good. Keep doing what is right. Or one of my favorites. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. And those are certain prayers. When I get phone calls or if people say, hey, I need prayer, that's one of the verses I pray over people. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. 
be men of courage, be strong. And then in verse 14 says, above all things, put on love. Be strong, don't give up. So, how do we be strong in the faith? How do we do this? How do we stand firm in the Lord? We stand by putting on. Grammatically, to be strong, we need to put on armor. And that's the the way this passage is kind of spelled out for us. The way our objective is to stand firm, we then look at our strategy. Armor up. Our strategy here is to armor up. Verse 14 through 20, which we're looking at now, is all dependent on standing firm by armoring up. And that's our strategy. We're going to look at our strategy now through the rest of October here. Again, as we look at these, <coughs> excuse me, these weapons, we got to know a couple things as we go through this passage here. Each weapon has an equivalent of a spiritual virtue. So if you could take a look, I grabbed it here, maybe I... Take a look in your bulletin, and I've got a little handout. Maybe I didn't bring it with me here. I put it in my Bible. Here it is. It's in my Bible. Take a look at this little handout. So what I've done is, I've the last month I've kind of been working through this passage, looking at this, and we got it up on the screen, but take this out. Each armor that's mentioned here, there are seven different things six of them have a metaphor which is a, 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 an armor or a weapon but that's connected the counterpart of that is a virtue the main focus isn't the belt the main focus as a kid i was like oh i want a belt i want a shield like captain america i want a sweet sword that's not the main focus the main focus is the virtue so we've highlighted that in your little handout here And then each of these virtues that Paul mentions has a scriptural reference. Many of them we will see in the first couple allude to Isaiah as God's armor, put on the full armor of God. And then these all help defend us and fight against a certain attack. So we've got, for instance, the belt, the virtues, truth, and integrity. We've got some references here. The attacker lies deceit. We've got the breastplate, footwear, the shield, So what I've done is I've kind of mapped this out. So each Sunday, if you could bring this with you, so you can kind of see, this is kind of a chart that I made for you, so you can see kind of where we're going to help us through this passage. Again, as we see, Paul is not concerned about the clothing, but what they represent, these virtues. Put on these virtues. Again, as a little kid, I had a a poster size, a little bit bigger than this, with a Roman soldier with all this armor. And I was like, yeah, give me a sword and stuff. The focus isn't the armor pictured like a Roman soldier. We'll see here, it's God's armor. And mainly the virtues that we are to put on. The significance is not the pieces of armor, but what they represent. I've wrote this down. Not only does our relationship to, with, and in Christ protect us, our relationship calls us to reflect the character of Christ. Again, we have been blessed by the Lord. Chapters 1, 2, and 3. We are in Christ. We've been protected. The Holy Spirit has sealed us. Now, chapters 4, 5, and 6, our service, as represented in that little wreath and the sign over there, we are now to live Christ-like. Also, again, the armor is not a collector's piece intended for a museum. This is real. 
to be applied, to be put on and do these things. It's about action. Live this out. It's God's armor. With each weapon, armor mentioned, we will look at God's armor. This morning we're going to then look at the enemy and his attacks. And then our virtue as we look through that. So this chart will be very helpful as we go through this. So let's look at the first one mentioned here. Verse 14. Stand firm. Again, that's our main objective. Stand firm. But how do you stand firm? Stand firm then by, you could put in there, would be a great way to translate, stand firm then by putting on the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So I wrote this down. Be made strong in the Lord by putting on truth. Clothe yourself with truth, Paul says in other places. Put on faithfulness. Stand firm by harnessing truth to your life. The belt of truth buckled around your waist. Again, in the Old Testament, New Testament times, they didn't dress the way we did. They didn't have clothes like we do. In fact, the belt is one of the last things I put on when I dress up in the morning. Dress up. I don't always dress up. I just wear jeans and a t-shirt most of the time. When I put things on, belt is the last thing. But for them, they would put their first garment on and then a belt on. That was the primary thing they would put on because everything else would have to be connected to or attached to it. The belt was very important. Let's look at God's armor here. First, we must recognize that God is truth. God is the God of all truth. We see this in the Trinitarian way. God is truth who cannot lie. Isaiah 65. Psalm 31, verse 5. God the Father is truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is truth Himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Jesus is the truth. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, it says in Scripture. In John 15, John 16. So we must begin thinking, when we think about truth, God is truth. He is truth and He is the source of truth. This reflects what Isaiah says. Isaiah verse 11. Talking about the Messiah here. The coming Savior of the Israelites and of the world. There is someone coming to rescue them. The Messiah. Isaiah 11 verse 5. Righteousness will be His belt. And faithfulness, and Matt, truth is the Hebrew word here, the, slash, the sash around His waist. God Himself clothes Himself with truth. He Himself has a belt of truth. This is how the Messiah dresses for war. The Christian armor is the armor that Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, clothes Himself in. He Himself put on truth to rescue His people. God's armor is truth. And it's vital to the Christian life. We need His truth in our life. A couple reasons why. 
salvation. We must know the truth of Christ. The Gospel message. That's where life begins. Truth must be known to us. Listen to what Ephesians already has said. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. You have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. We must know this truth of Jesus. Or Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Again, we have this truth already mentioned. We need truth for salvation. We also need God's truth for godly living. Again, it's unfortunate that sometimes in Christianity, as we look at church history, we have reduced the beauty of truth to just basic behavior modification. Just be nice, look nice, be good and truthful, and that's enough for your salvation. That's not the way it is. We need salvation first, and out of that then comes godly living. We are to be transformed not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds found in the Word of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Or, Jesus says, Your Word is truth. Sanctify, which means make us more holy, help us to become more godly. Sanctify the believers by Your Word, by Your truth. That's the beauty of the Word of God. It makes us to be more like Him. Those who worship Him must worship God in spirit and in truth. God is truth. This is the armor that God puts on. Our weapon as Christians is essential. And the weaponry that we have is truth. And the reality is seen in Jesus Christ. So what does truth protect us from? Take a look at that chart again. We've got the attack. What does proof, this truth protect us from? This counters the enemy's attack. We are fighting against lies. For Satan is the father of lies. Satan is the father of lies. Listen to John chapter 8, verse 44. The devil... This is Jesus speaking. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. For he is a liar and the father of lies. We need to have truth, God's truth, because the enemy has lies. So I wrote down a few ways the enemy loves to attack us as Christians and the world. Here are a few ways the enemy loves to counter the truth. First one I thought of was deceive men by false teaching and doctrine. To deceive men by false teaching and doctrine. I remember one time I was walking into a thrift store. I walked into a thrift store and there was loud commotion in the background. And it wasn't your normal like kid complaining I didn't want the toy it wasn't a toy section I want you know you've been around where parents are in a store and the kid thinks they they deserve everything and they're yelling but there was more than this commotion I could tell something spiritual was happening in this room 
some walk-in file. Let me just kind of go over there. Maybe I can pray. Some, this is, something in this room isn't right. So I remember walking towards that way, and I, I saw the commotion, and I was like, in my heart, I was like, this, this isn't it. So, something's not right in this room. And I, I, I just got done spending time in the Word, worshiping prayer, and, and I had this, like, this sense of discernment, like something's not right. And I looked at the situation, I'm like, this is, okay, something's going on, but something's not right. And I remember turning around, and I said, that's what's wrong in this room. Two gentlemen dressed in black slacks, white shirt, black tie, elder so-and-so from a cult. And they were talking to someone by the book section. And as I got closer, I realized much deception. Many lies were spoken. I was like, something's wrong here. That's what's wrong. False teaching. 2 Peter chapter 2. In fact, let me read that. If you got your Bibles, let's turn there. 2 Peter chapter 2. Again, even in 1 Timothy, the elders, we've been reading through 1 Timothy. And he calls the pastors and the elders to avoid false teaching. It can destroy the church. False knowledge. We're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 2. Listen to this. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. They will take truth and destroy it. It's interesting that when Paul writes about false teachers, he says they will often have a new truth. Hey, I've got something new to tell you. Oh, you've got the Bible, but there's now something better than that. A false teacher, I found, will not say, hey, this is false, follow it. A false teacher never says, hey, this is wrong, but don't worry, it's good in the end. Never do they do that. Instead, they skillfully adjust their lies to sound good. They take a part of truth and twist it. So it sounds good, and then the truth is lost. Dear Christian, I encourage you, if you're tired at night, maybe it's 11 o'clock and you're tired, if you got cable, don't find the late night, late night cable guy who's preaching something. A lot of the times I'd be pretty leery about some of that stuff. Keep your fingers in the Word. Don't be deceived. If you're curious about something and you're like, oh, what does the Bible teach about this? And Google it and find some weird, obscure site and start believing that stuff. Keep your fingers in the Word. Don't be be deceived. Another way that the enemy loves to bring lies is attack people by distorting the truth. He told Eve, God's words are false. He he didn't mean it like that. Eat this and you'll live forever. He loves to take the truth and distort it. 
He twisted Scripture. Has he met Jesus in the wilderness? Jesus, you can do this apart from God. In fact, if you do this, just I'll give you everything. If you bow down and worship me, he distorted the truth. We'll look at those passages another week. Keep your fingers in the Word, people. Be sound. Another way is he appeals to your sinful nature and offers lies to you. If you're married, he will say this. Your spouse really can't satisfy you. That other person is much better. Pursue that person. Those are lies from the pit, people. Don't believe them. Don't believe the lies that say, oh, that lady over there is much better than the one you're with now. That's a lie. Don't believe that. Or, I'm going to get kind of sensitive to maybe some of you. Around here, the enemy loves to say, weekends are for you. You've worked all week. You need your weekend at the cabin. Oh, you can meet God at the cabin. You don't need to go to church often. It's summertime. For us around here, cabins are great idols. Yes, you can be still and know that the Lord is God, but God has called us to gather so we can equip the saints, so we can go out and do it. Oh, weekends are for you. You don't need the fellowship of believers. We'll see this in the future here. Fellowship is also a weapon against the enemy. We need to gather together and celebrate the goodness of God. Or he'll say, that selfish habit you have, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as the drunkard that's at your work that keeps getting late or whatever, or the person you know that's addicted to all that stuff on the internet. Your selfishness is not that bad. Again, James chapter 3 says this. Where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. The enemy will say, all the little sins that you have aren't that bad. Declare war on sin. Run from sin. Even to the point of shedding blood. Hebrews says that. Get rid of sin. The enemy loves to tease us and appeals to our sinful nature and offer lies. Don't give in, people. Stand firm in the faith. God's armor is protective to the Christian so that the lies of the enemy can be recognized. This doesn't happen often, but every couple months, someone in the church will email me and say, Pastor, um, can you help me with this church? Or my friend's listening to this preacher online. Can you tell me if this is a good person to listen to or not? And, and often I'll just be like, sure, I'll help them think through. Well, let's look at what they believe. And we'll kind of see and we'll know, gauging on the truth, found anything that contradicts this, we know there's problems. The enemy can be recognized by his lies. And he can be resisted he uses lies we use truth so let's look at the virtue that we have we've talked about god's armor the enemy now let's look at our virtue our protection is truth granted to us at salvation and the truth that is to be applied in every situation we must apply the truth you must know the word to apply it we must know how to put this on. First, it begins with knowing the truth, Jesus Christ. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. We must know him first. We must turn to him and surrender our lives to Christ first. Secondly, then we must put on truth. I love how Romans chapter 13 says, live this way, put on Christ, put him on. He is the light, put him on. We must put Christ on. And our weapon is a virtue, and that virtue is this integrity of character. Be a man and woman of truth. Where you work, people should know that's a truthful man. That's a truthful woman. Be a man and woman of integrity in our character. And we'll talk more about this as we look at the next one. Because the next one here is very similar to this. Let's look at the second weapon. The second weapon is this. Be made strong in the Lord by putting on with the breastplate of righteousness in its place. So I wrote this down. Be made strong in the Lord by putting on the breastplate of righteousness in place. Stand firm by putting on righteousness. This righteousness comes from God. So let's look at God's armor. Again, out of Isaiah. I don't think when Paul wrote this, he wasn't thinking of a Roman soldier and looking at all his armor. He was thinking of God and His armor. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head if you know this passage we're going to get to that he put on garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak he is the divine warrior and god when he goes to save his people he dresses up puts on the helmet of salvation the breastplate of righteousness. And in vengeance and in wrath, he goes out to save his people. Here the divine warrior dresses in righteousness to redeem his people. Sin has separated us from God. The opposite of righteousness is sin. And because of sin, we deserve the wrath of God. And he comes with vengeance and wrath to save us. Isaiah is pointing to Jesus. His wrath and right judgment should be poured upon each one of us. God is just, comma, but He's more than just. He's grace and mercy. And that wrath was poured upon the cross. His righteousness is ultimately seen in Christ who won our salvation. God saves us. Amen? The righteousness of God, the right standing before God, we have that. We are clothed in His righteousness. It's not our righteousness that can do it. We can't be ever good enough. You're never good enough. So instead, God sacrificed His Son and we are clothed in His righteousness and we stand blameless before God. Not because of our righteousness, but because of His like protective gear, His righteousness covers us. Now some of you may not know what this is. Schofield is a police officer. What is this? Bulletproof vest. Do you have one of these? A few of them, okay? This, for a police officer, is something they wear to protect them. Unfortunately, we live in a day and age where he has a few of them. Wouldn't it be great if people all turned to Christ and we wouldn't have to have these things anymore? 
We live in a world where there's a real enemy. It's not flesh and blood I'm talking about, but we need protective gear. God gives us His protective gear, and it's His righteousness. He covers over us. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God. He covers over us. Revelation chapter 12. We overcame Him, the enemy, the accuser of the brethren. We overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb. How do we overcome the enemy? By the blood of the Lamb. The victory won at the cross. His righteousness, His victory is what won for us the freedom that we have. We once were in darkness. Remember the three realms? We once were in bondage to the world, bondage to the enemy and his deceitful ways, in bondage to our own flesh. Ephesians chapter 2, 1, 2, and 3. But verse 4 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy, and because of his love for us, made us alive. God made us alive. He raised us up. And He seated us with Christ. It's this protective armor, His righteousness, that's how we can win not just the war that He won, but the battles we face every day. What is this counter? What does the enemy protect us from? This counters the enemy's attacks. We are fighting against sin and complacency. Again, Satan's primary tactic to Christians is this. Deception. His primary way to attack people, and primarily Christians, is this. Deception concerning your beliefs about God and your understanding of yourselves in relation to God. God, you're not strong enough to cure this. You're not strong enough to help me in this situation. Those are the lies the enemy will bring to us. God, you cannot save. I'm way too deep in this sin. I'll never break free from it. Oh, God will save you, but you need to do a bunch of good things first. These are all deceptions and lies from the enemy. It can be easy. Another way is this. It can be easy to be lazy in your life and not put an effort to stand. We hear something happening in the background, and we should engage and bring truth to it. Bring righteousness to it. Bring faithfulness to it. And often, we have very lazy Christians today. Satan seduces us into sin while God saves us from sin. And we'll end here with this virtue. We fight against wickedness. We fight against the devil and his schemes. And our weapon is righteousness. Our virtue is righteous living and right conduct. This is how we are to live. So let me give you a few examples of what this can look like. Our virtue is an ethical quality of your actions. This moral uprightness. A bulletproof vest can protect you. But our armor is righteousness that can protect you. It's doing what is right. Doing what is just. 
When you live in sin and walk away from purity, you will open yourself up. Your bulletproof vest is gone and it can destroy you. Stay away from sexual temptations. Stay away from things that can entangle your mind. Live upright. Live moral. Have right, righteous living. It's interesting that these things go hand in hand. Again, here's the verse we read about the belt, the truth. Isaiah 11.5 Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, truth, will be the sash around his waist. These go hand in hand together. So here's a couple things about these two virtues. Do what is true and right. Do what is true and right. I was hanging out with some of my friends who I don't think any of them go to church. I was hanging out and we were talking about bow hunting and they're like, hey, have you gotten anything? We're all, we're all talking about bow hunting and I said, well, just a couple nights ago I was, at, I was at a place and this huge, biggest deer I've ever seen in the wild, big A-pointer and the spread was out, just symmetrical. I love symmetry in the rack. It was 15 yards in front of me and I was just like, whoa! And they were like, well? And I said, well, I didn't shoot it. Like, why not? He said, well, I told the person because I don't have land. I said, hey, could I hunt your land? I'll only shoot does. He's like, great, because his son-in-law hunts there for the big bucks. I said, I'll only shoot does. And they're like, and you didn't shoot it? I said, yeah, it sat there for like five minutes. She's beautiful. I'm like, right there, 15 yards away. And they're like, I would have went, oops, sorry. Oh, I actually, I thought it was a doe. I wouldn't make a good pastor if I did those kind of things, right? I wouldn't make a good follower of Jesus if I did those things. Oh, the temptation was there. But yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Remember that old song? We must do what is true and right. Be faithful in your actions. If you want a business, don't cheat people. Be true and right. People know these things if you cheat. Practice justice, people. Listen to this, Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and right and what does the Lord require of you. To act justly, which is righteousness here, that's the word, to act out of righteousness, righteous living, and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. 2 Corinthians 6.7 says this, in truthful speech and in the power of God. You notice how those go hand in hand? Truthful speech and the power of God. With weapons of righteousness, one in the right hand and one in the left hand. Whether you're righty or lefty, guess what? You get both of them. Righteousness is a weapon. So people do what is right and true. Another thing, we are to live upright lives. Consistent with the new life that we've been given. I won't get into this, but we covered this. Chapters 4 and 5 of Ephesians says, don't do this. Instead, put on this. Don't live in such a way it will destroy you. Instead, do these right things. You once were in darkness, but now you're in the light. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's in Ephesians 5. Another thing is, we are to live a life of being sanctified by the truth. 
Jesus says this in John 17. Your word is truth. Sanctify them. Make them more holy by the truth. People, let me just say this. If you're not involved in a Bible study, if you think just coming Sundays for this quick hour and a half time together, you can't live on a crouton a day. A crouton a week. You must daily feast in the Word of God. If you're not connected with a Bible study, get plugged in. I love how Pastor Tony's having the kids memorize Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 20. He's having memorize. Get in the Word, people. Another thing, don't be complacent. Put off the former way of living. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind in the Word. Walk in truth. Turn, again, turn to 1 Peter. I'm having you turn a couple places. I should have had you because sometimes Peter's hard to find. It's just after Hebrews there. Hebrews, James, and then 1 Peter. 1 Peter's written a lot like Ephesians. The first 12 verses is like chapters 1, 2, and 3. This is what God has done. He saved you. And all the verbs are in indicating what God has done. Then, 1 Peter chapter 1, 13, and to the end, all the verbs are imperative. Now live this way. Therefore, 1 Peter chapter 1, 13, Prepare your minds for action. And the same word there is in this verse. Put on, put around you, harness yourself with truth. That's the same word from here in Ephesians. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, he goes on, don't give in to these things. Instead, be holy for I am holy. Don't be lazy in your walk with the Lord. And two more things. Put off falsehood and speak the truth in love. Again, this is from Ephesians 4. How you treat each other is so important. And how your heart treats the other person is so important. Because from your heart, then comes to your lips, to that person. Love each other. Put off falsehood and speak the truth in love. And the last one, guard your minds from what is not true. Guard your minds from what is not true. The verse I used when I was in high school, I was like, how do I know what to do? How do I know what movie's good and bad? How do I know what kind of jokes to laugh at? So turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. It's right next to you here. Ephesians, Philippians. This is the verse I memorized. And this is my grid. This is my way of kind of filtering everything I needed to do. Parents, have your kids memorize this. Parents, have them write it on, a, on a, like a piece of paper in different colors. There's many different words here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. How do we guard our minds from that which is not true? If anything violates anything in this little verse, don't do it. It's a good way to do it. I struggle in this because sometimes I'm doing something or I'm watching something like, oh, it violated this verse. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything excellent or praiseworthy, 
think on these things. This is how you can guard yourself. Use that grid, this verse, to filter through. Oh, it violated one of those verses? We're not going to do it. Rumors, gossips, myths, traditions of men, worldly ideologies, the sinful things around us, don't get involved. So here's how we're going to end. The, the praise team is going to come up. Come on up, worship team. Again, we're going to end with these phrases here. I encourage you today, remember, the war is already won. Christ has won. The victory is His. We sing the sweetness of Jesus. But the battles every day can be destructive. Renounce the world and its ways. If you're involved in things you shouldn't be involved in, renounce the world and its ways. Confess your sin. Even it says in Scripture, confess your sin one to another. You know what? I've had hatred against you in my heart. I haven't liked you for years. But God's softening my heart and I'm sorry. Because you said this once and they might say, well, I didn't say that. Oh, and then you find out it was misread. Confess your sins one to another. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit today. Not your own power. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Know your position and His power and pursue truth and right living. Today we want this to end in praise and worship. Because praise and worship is a weapon. But it also helps align our hearts and our minds to the truth. But if you need prayer today, we ask you, come on up. We would love to pray for you. We would love to have people praying for you for different things. If you just need healing, if you just need to confess things, we would love to pray. Pastor Eric's up here. John and Nancy, could you guys come up here and pray for people if you'd be able to? Brent and Lori, could you come up here and just pray for people? During the time of praise and worship, if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. Let's stand and celebrate the goodness of the righteousness and the truth of God's protection over us. Father, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you that you are a good God. I thank you that all this stuff is not dependent on me. I'm glad it's not protective armor like this bulletproof vest. Every six years or so, they've got to get a new one because they kind of wear out. Your righteousness never wears out. Your truth is always true. Flowers come and go. Those green leaves and beautiful red leaves are going to be gone in a month. But your word stands forever. Right now we celebrate the goodness of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate the goodness of the Lord. cross you broke my shame and sinfulness you rose again victorious faithfulness no can deny
Bye.